I came across a story of revival that just moved my heart. In the 17th century, revival broke out in a little town called Kidderminster, England. I want to read you what it says. It says, one of the great transformations that occurred in that city after the awakening was the blossoming of family worship. On the Lord's Day, you might hear a hundred families singing psalms and repeating sermons as you pass through the streets. Homes that were once places of darkness and unbelief were transformed into places of light and worship. If one walked the streets of Kidderminster on a Lord's Day evening, after the families had attended the morning worship services at church, the sound of parents and children worshiping together would flow from the open windows into the night sky. Revival. Touching people. And not just staying in the worship space, but following people home. It's one of my passions to see revival not just be something that happens in the temple courts, but something that we carry inside of us, that follows us, that Monday's just as good as Sunday. Let me tell you, there's hundreds and thousands of people that have seen revival, but are skeptics because revival didn't follow them home. I wish all the atheists in the world were people who had never been to church. A lot of the atheists I've met were people that grew up in church, but somehow revival didn't follow home. So I wanna say, do it again, God. Do what you did there, here. Let us be families that carry revival in our hearts. Let us be people that our kids see us in our Bibles in the morning. Our kids see us in prayer. That we take from our prayer sets and we take from our services and we take from our house churches and it shows up in our own living rooms. I want to say, do it again, God. Birth a genuine revival that changes the, the structures of our families. That's my prayer, and I believe that's the Lord's prayer. I've so enjoyed this season we've been in in worship. Have you? Yeah, it's, for an older guy, it's been so refreshing. This Revelation 4 picture of of the throne room and there's there's a throne in heaven and therefore there's a throne on the earth and there's worship in heaven therefore there's worship happening on the earth and how heaven is the blueprint for what is happening on the earth it's powerful and i love it that when we talk about family we're talking about the same thing Family exists on the earth because it exists in heaven. The only reason there's family on the earth is because there's a family in heaven. It's kind of a weak response. 
There's a beautiful, amazing family in heaven. It's called the Trinity. You got a father, you got a son, you got a spirit. This beautiful, amazing, powerful family. And it's because of that family that you and I have family. In the garden, God said, wait, something's missing. This doesn't fully reflect the Trinity. So he made Eve from a rib. And God said, ah, it's very good. Now it's complete. The family on earth mirrors now the family in heaven. Today, God wants to talk to us that he's the God of our family. And I love, I love this picture of family on earth mirroring what's happening in heaven because this, the gospels give us a clue of how this family operates. In Matthew 3, 17, it says this, the father says about Jesus, this is my beloved son and I'm fully pleased with him. To hear the Father speaking identity, affirmation, affection. In John 5, 19, the Son says this. He says, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does these things in the same way. Do you hear the Son saying, I'm reliant on the Father. I'm following my Father. I'm imitating my Father. About the Holy Spirit, we see it in John 14, 25 and 26. It says this, and the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything that I have ever told you. What does that reminder remind you of? Reminds me of a mother. Anybody else have a mother that was really good at reminding? Any other mothers in the room? You, you take the reminding role in your house? The Holy Spirit, it says he's the teacher. He's the reminder. He's the helper. This is the family of heaven. Father, Son, Spirit. All operating together. Philippians 2 continues, verse 7 and 9. Jesus, it says, took the very nature of a servant. He didn't self-promote. He went low. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. Again, another fatherly role that we see the father playing. Exalting an obedient son. Empowering an obedient son. Wow, what a family. What a family this is. This family fully cooperates with each other. Did you catch that? This family speaks well of each other. This family honors the role of each member. In those passages, none of them were talking about themselves. 
they were all validating and honoring the importance of the other one. What a family. This is our heavenly family. This is where we come from. Can you imagine walking into a living room, sitting down with a family, eating dinner, and as you're sitting there, the father's talking about how proud he is of his kids, speaking words of identity over his kids, affirming his kids. Can you imagine the mom nurturing, teaching, helping, reminding, don't forget to brush your teeth, kids. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the kids sitting there and talking about how they trust their dad? They can follow his ways. That they love their mom because mom always shows up. She's faithful. She's a comforter. She's there to make life work for the family. Like, can you imagine what would this be like to sit in this living room with this family? You guys are getting really quiet. What would it be like to sit in that family and just drink it in? What would you feel? Probably peace. Probably rest. Probably no power struggle going on. No egos, no pride, no stress, no tension. Why? Because this family's got it together. And this is the family in heaven. This is how this family operates. Why don't our families look like that? It's a great question. The answer is simple, sin. Sin and the brokenness that it causes in our lives. I just got to say, I can't, I can't go any further without saying this. The enemy's lying to us about our families. He's lying to us about our marriages. He's lying to us about our families. Why don't our families look like that family? Sin. Sin in the world. Enemies after our families. He wants to use sin to cause destruction in our families. But this is where the story gets really good. And I mean really good. When we receive Christ and we're in Christ and he's our personal savior, we get adopted into that family. Doesn't matter what family we grew up in. When we're in Christ, we get a new family. And it's the family of heaven. That's the family we get adopted into. And this is really good news. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, 
to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir. The role of an heir is to continue the family legacy. So God wouldn't make you a child or call you an heir if you weren't capable of continuing the family legacy. And this is really good news. Because Jesus came and took away the sin problem. So what he did. Romans 8, 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Hey, buddy. He actually was very spirit-led. I was hungering for some Cheez-Its, so right on cue. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Are you catching this? Doesn't matter what family I grew up in. When I'm in Christ, when I'm positionally in him, I get adopted into that family. And now the sin and the brokenness of my earthly family, whatever they handed to me, Jesus says, guess what? I came and I'm taking care of that. Which is tremendous because now I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm just a volunteer to sin. I can still sin. You can still sin. You just don't have to sin anymore. Before he came and set us free, you were a slave. And so was I. So, this is really good news because now I'm empowered to live by the Spirit. I got a new father. Remember, it's the father that empowers. So I got, I'm, I'm connected to that family now. And now that I'm taking my cues from that family, I start to get empowerment to live like that family lives. I start to get empowerment by the Spirit of God. My Spirit's made alive. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of me. And now what's empowering my life is no longer sin and the flesh, but it's the culture of that family up there by the Spirit of God. This happens when we submit ourselves to the Spirit. So whatever's causing damage in our families, we're no longer slaves to it. Let's just take some, a few things. Maybe stubbornness. Maybe stubbornness was handed to you in your family. Any, 
Any courageous people raising their hand on stubbornness? Okay. Yeah. Got some honest people in the room. You know what's really good about that is I just don't see stubbornness in the Trinity. I just don't. How about lying? Pride, not having a humble heart, controlling other people, manipulating people. The good news about all these things that are part of our lives is none of them are in that family. None of them. Not a single one of them. Codependence, independence, sexual immorality, selfishness. We could go on and on and on. None of them are in our heavenly family. So he did away with the law of sin and death. And he says, now you're no longer controlled by that. You're controlled by the spirit of God who gives life. You got a new daddy. You got new DNA in you. And if we submit ourselves to it, our family will start to look more like that one than that one. All right. When we're adopted, we have to take on the culture of the new family. Adoption doesn't work very well when we resist the new culture of the new family. For me, my family handed me three really big ones. Here they are. Fear, passivity, lust. None of those are in the Trinity, by the way. Those came from sin, generational sin, passivity, passed down to the men in my family. Caused a lot of pain and a lot of brokenness. How many of you think lust will cause problems in marriages and families? Oh, yeah. Fear. I was born into a world of fear. But here's the thing. I started getting mentored by my new father and my new family. And day after day, week after week, the new family culture started to break through. Those things are not problems anymore. Can I go back there if I wanted to? Sure. Have no desire to. Same's true in your family. But here's the key, and this is where we're coming home. Home stretch here. Nothing changed until these happened in my life. Number one, I think they're on the board. I had to take some responsibility for sin. I was really good at making excuses for passivity. I was really good at it. I was really good at making excuses for fear. I was really good at making excuses for lust that had been handed down to me in my life. And those kept me perpetually sick. They kept me perpetually stuck in the old narrative of my life. Does that make sense? 
It's getting quiet. You start mentioning sin, it gets quiet. Number two, I had to embrace a lifestyle of repentance. You know, repentance isn't, I'm sorry. For me, it was a lifestyle of, I'm broken. Like, my life doesn't look like that family. And there's broken parts of me that I've got going on, that I've got to live a lifestyle, a style of living that's embracing a new culture in my life. It's not one and done. It's a lifestyle of repentance. Number three, I had to submit myself to the lordship of Jesus. Yeah, lordship of Jesus. You know, when Jesus is Lord in an area of your life, you're no longer leading your own life in that area. You're looking to another for direction. You're looking to another to help you. You're looking to him and saying, I don't know how to do this. This part of me is so broken, but you know. I'm taking my cues from you. Submitting myself to Jesus. Number four, I had to actively put off and put on with the leading of the Trinity, with the Word of God, and with believers. If you want to know more about putting off, putting on, read Ephesians 4, 21 through 32. I had to take, I had, with the help of the Holy Spirit, take off the old garments that were from the old family. And I had to let the new family put on garments on me. This is not a passive process. This is an active process. Those are the things that helped me walk out of slavery. I can remember when I was a young husband and a young father. And I remember coming home from work every day. It was my habit. And I would cry out to God. I would say, God, I don't know how to be a husband. And I don't know how to be a father. I don't know. I don't know how to be the man you've called me to be. But you know. You know. You're really good at this. And it's amazing how fast we change when we're submitted to somebody else who knows all the answers. And I'm telling you, I would walk in that door and I would have a strategy or I would have a word or I would have something that was not from myself. It was from a different family mentoring me in how to be a man and how to be a father. And this is what we've got to do, guys. This is what we've got to do. We've got to call ourselves to submitting to the lordship of Jesus. These areas that are broken in our lives are going to stay broken until we come under the authority of a different realm. Your family will look just like it is a few years from now, maybe with some slight modifications. But if you bring yourself under the lordship of Jesus in these areas, watch how fast transformation happens. Watch how fast you get mentored by a beautiful family 
that has all the answers you need. All the answers I need. Watch what happens, church. Romans 8, 6. I'm almost done. It says this. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life. Say life. life. And peace. Say peace. peace. That word govern is a big one. What governs us influences us. And what governs us empowers us. See, until we bring ourselves under and submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus in these areas where we're broken, we're under our own governance. And that's why things don't usually change. But when we bring ourselves under the governance of the Spirit, Things move quickly. It's time for a new governor, guys. There's some beautiful, amazing families in this church. But you haven't seen anything yet. Wait till we embody being a family governed by the Lordship of Jesus. In the areas that were broken. Watch what happens when you bring that thing under his authority. Watch what happens. In John 20, 28, the disciple said to Jesus, he said these words. He said, my Lord and my God, my curios and my theos. It's interesting he used both words. They're different. A Lord is someone that you put yourself below. And you look up at my Lord. And I feel like that's a prophetic picture for what God wants us to do tonight. We hold these ideals. We hold these beliefs about our family and what we want it to be. And, and those are from the Lord. God's given us a vision to have beautiful families. But you know how it's going to come? going to come on our knees. It's going to come looking up. It's going to come when we say, you know what, I, I don't know how to do this very well. But you do. I'm submitting myself to your lordship. Because I see your family, it has it. And I don't. That's how it's going to come, church. When I was preparing this week, I saw in my spirit, I saw it, I saw us coming to the table of the Lord as whole families. And I want to make room right now for that to happen. I, I see, I saw whole families, not just young families, older families. There's something of grace going to be released in your family as you all come together and sit before the Lord 
and invite him to be the Lord of our family. Because you know what? He can't just be the God of our family. He's got to be the Lord. When he's Lord, he's the one calling the shots. When he's Lord, he's the one we're listening to and taking our cues from. When he's the Lord, we defer to his voice over our own. Let's be families that are governed by the Spirit of God. Amen. Would you stand with me? At this time, I just want to invite whole families to come. And just sit before the Lord. Sit with your kids. If you have older kids, bring your older kids. If you have younger kids, bring your younger kids. It's okay. I just, I just know that grace is coming on us as a family unit. If you're a married couple and you're stewarding something in your heart as a family, I just want to invite you to come. Sit before the Lord. Sit with him. Let him put his grace on you. You can begin coming now. We're just going to go into a time of worship. Thank you, Becca. And here's what I, I really feel like the Lord's on is just invite him to be Lord. Invite him to be Lord of your family. As a family, confess him as Lord. Get low so that he can be high. Amen, church. So this time is not just for families. It's for everybody. If you're a couple, if you're married, I want to invite you forward. It's okay. We'll dim the lights so it's not, you're not feeling self-conscious. But come before the Lord. Let's sit before the Lord. Let's let him put grace on us to be the family he's called to be. Amen? Amen. And if you have prayer needs, the prayer team will be over here to the side. Over here. If you have needs, come up. Let's just spend some time with the Lord and ask him to help us. So Jesus, we do. We just invite you to come. We just say, come and teach us, good teacher. We bring ourselves low so you can be high. It's our confession, God. We don't know. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know how to fix these broken parts of us, God, but you do. You do, God. Yeah, just in your own words, just confess his lordship over your family. There's power in your words. There's power in your words. Just invite him to be Lord. Come and be the Lord of our families, Jesus. Come and be the Lord of our families, Jesus. Come and be the Lord of our families, Jesus. Come and be Lord. Come and show off in our families. Confess our dependency on him, our need for him. God, we need you. We need you in our family, God.
We need you in our family, God. We need you in our family, God. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you, God. We're desperate for you, God. We're desperate for you to build the family that you want us to be, God. We're desperate, God. Bring us to desperate places, God. If you need to go, you're officially dismissed. You can go. We love you. We'll see you next week. We're just going to continue to stay in this space for the people who want it. Be blessed. We love you. We cry out to you, oh God. Crying out, we're crying out. Pour out your grace. You know, if, if things are coming up that you need to repent to each other for, just begin to flow in repentance. Just begin to acknowledge areas that need to be fixed, that need to be mended and healed.